Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thanks for being here today. Our ministry president, Dr. Kenneth Hill, is here with an important update, and Terry James examines the current unrest in the Middle East. We're able to bring sense to the nonsense because of your prayers and financial support. When you purchase a book or DVD, when you subscribe to our monthly Prophetic Observer, you are helping us spread the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Thank you. Terry James is not only a great investigative author, he is one of the few men who actually know why the world is on the verge of self-destruction and what must be done about it. Staff evangelist James Collins visits with Terry James and they discuss the biblical history of the current unrest in the Middle East. Almost daily we see the tiny nation of Israel in world headlines. Most of the time it has something to do with some type of conflict. The Bible says in Zechariah 12:3, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. A little over 2,500 years ago, the prophet Zechariah predicted that at the end of the age, Jerusalem would become a burdensome stone to the whole world, and we certainly see that today. On the phone with me is author Terry James. Terry is an expert on Bible prophecy. He is the author of a fantastic book, Cauldron, which traces the history of the current state of unrest in the Middle East. Terry, thanks for being on the program with me again today. Well, it's great to be with you again, James. I appreciate the opportunity. Terry, I want to start with the book's dedication. You dedicated Cauldron to a man who was an influence to me and many others, Zola Levitt. Why did you dedicate Cauldron to Zola Levitt? Zola was just a wonderful friend. We got very close. I was on his television programs a number of times, and we met, I guess, through the pre-trib conference that Tim LaHaye put on down in Dallas many, many years ago. I did a book of compilation with different authors in it, and Zola was in a number of those. And I was touched whenever we were in Branson doing a conference, and Zola was one of the speakers, and I was out in there. We were all sitting around in the crowd and talking, and Zola came through after his presentation, and, and somebody asked him, what's your next book or something like that? He was standing there talking to us, and he patted me on the back. He said, you'll have to ask Terry. He's my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me feel good. I talked to Zola not long before he died. He had developed cancer, and... Zola was always fond of saying, if the Lord wants to promote me, I'm willing to be promoted. And that's the way he looked at going to heaven. I introduced him to a good friend of mine who's an intellectual property attorney, and they also became good friends, and he's on their board of directors and so forth. So I was able to help him a little bit there, and I've just been pleased to just be associated with their ministry, particularly with my great friend Zola. Well, Cauldron is certainly a fitting name for a book that is a treatment of what's going on right now in the Middle East. But what about the subtitles, Supernatural Implications of the Current Middle East? Why have you given the book this subtitle? Well, there's no doubt about it. Israel is at the very heart of Bible prophecy. It has been since God first reported anything about this world and what it's developed into, Genesis chapter 3 and so forth, talking about how a woman would deliver a child and so forth, and he would be the answer to man's salvation. And that turned out to be through the Jewish people. Christ would eventually come into the world. Satan hates that. So the supernatural implications are that 
That's what this whole war has been about this whole time, Satan trying to destroy the people of Israel. That's what it's about now, because he wants to destroy all humanity. He's extremely jealous, apparently, of God's creation called man. One reason why iniquity was found in him, and his overwhelming pride got the best of him and got him and his minions, one-third of the angelic horde that followed him, thrown out of heaven, and that's what the battle's been about ever since. So the supernatural implications are that it's going to follow the exact prophetic pattern that God has laid out for us in the Scripture. And, of course, Christ is going to put into that as Armageddon. It certainly talks about the history, the book Cauldron does, defining the history all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the Garden of Eden. It describes the history, the current state, and the prophetic future of this warfare in detail and in, I think, a totally understandable way. Now, there's a certain event in Scripture you point to in trying to give the reader of Cauldron understanding about where the hatred for Israel first began. That's, again, Genesis chapter 3. Will you talk a little bit about that? husband, the fruit to eat of the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, I don't think Adam was really deceived. I mean, that's why he is responsible. God said that through one man, sin entered into the world, and that was when Adam took that fruit and ate it, when he knew it was forbidden. And he said, through one man, Jesus Christ, he will bring salvation. That's what it's all been about. I just described how Israel is at the heart of it because they produced the Savior, the Jesus hung on the cross. He said, it is finished, meaning he had accomplished everything. He had won back the title deed of the earth that Satan had stolen. Once Adam in particular sinned and gave up that covenant relationship with God of uh, overseeing the whole earth, he gave up that right. And Satan took the earthly inheritance. He took it, and Jesus won it back on the cross. Well, if you're just tuning in today to The Watchman on the Wall, my guest is Terry James, the author of Cauldron, and you can get a copy of this great book by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can get a copy at our website, swrc.com. Now, Terry, Chapter 5 of Cauldron, entitled The Messiah's Mission, deals directly with a satanic war against God, the Jews, and all of mankind. Will you explain some of what is wrapped up within that chapter? Israel has been looking for the Messiah the whole time, the Mashiach. They say that he hasn't come yet, most of those who have not accepted Christ as Savior. And Jesus came and did exactly what God said he was going to do. John the Baptist announced his coming. The dove lit on Jesus and he heard a voice saying, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's Israel's Messiah. He came riding into Jerusalem to declare himself. The people declared him Messiah. They shouted, Hosanna and so forth, as he rode in on that little donkey that Palm Sunday. Some of the Judaizers, religious, holy people, make those people quit saying this because they thought that he was not the Messiah. They thought at that time he was just a strange teacher, and they were been trying to figure a way to kill him and get rid of him. But he said, you know, if these people didn't shout right now, the very rocks at his creation itself would cry out that I am the Messiah coming to Israel. Well, of course, they put him on the cross, Rome followed the Judaizers, even though Pilate could not find any fault, they went ahead and crucified him as the Jewish leaders wanted and so forth. And they still rejected the Messiah. And that's what has sent Israel into all this trouble. Jesus said right before he went to his crucifixion, he told his disciples that the city and the sanctuary would be destroyed. Well, it was in 70 A.D. 
50 years or so after his crucifixion. The Romans destroyed the city and sanctuary under Titus, the general. The people were scattered. The final scattering was done at Masada, I think, in about, what was it, 130-something A.D., when Hadrian had Rome take that hill, and many of them committed suicide, and some of the Jews, of course, were left, and they were finally scattered in the whole world. So that's where they are now. They come back, and miraculously almost, and when Russia fell, for example, in 1989, Russia fell, and many of the Jews from Russia left, and many of them went back to Jerusalem. So they're gathered back now for the final things of prophecy to play out, and I think we're going to see some real action from here on out. Ezekiel chapter 37, as you deal with Israel's history in cauldron, seems to directly relate to Adolf Hitler, the Nazis, and the rebirth of the nation of Israel, uh, like we just spoke about. Give us a taste of just how prophecy seems to have come to life during the years of World War II and immediately upon its ending. Hitler tried to completely eradicate the Jews from off the earth. It's strictly satanic from the word go. Ezekiel the prophet, chapter 37 of Ezekiel, I think, after the Nazis had been defeated and the uh, Allies went in to liberate the camps and so forth, there were so many corpses. Finally, they like the Nazis themselves, like this, they had to dig long trenches and simply there were so many, and because of the disease and everything, they finally had to just bulldoze them into massive graves and then cover them up. That's all they could do. And that reminded me of the dry bones and how Israel would be just nothing but bones, but God would bring them back. He would put in the spark of his spiritual life and they would come back. Well, they're in the process of doing that now. And they're standing on their feet. They're about the third or fourth most powerful uh, military in the world right now. Of course, that's going to change at some point when the Antichrist makes his covenant with them later on, I think. But we can almost see Ezekiel seeing the same scenes I saw in those black and white films. And when we think about that 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones and so forth. In the third section of Cauldron, you title it History Rushes Toward Armageddon. Chapter 11 is called The Temple Tempest and you devote chapter 15 to the Third Jewish Temple. That chapter is called Third Temple Tensions. So why is it so important for us to know about the Jewish Temple, which after all, as you said, was destroyed nearly 2,000 years ago, and it's nowhere in sight today? Because that's key to prophecy. Mm -hmm. God says that there will be a Third Temple, and we know that because of Jesus' own words. He says, you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, when he's talking about the Jewish temple, there was no Jewish temple following 70 A.D. There hasn't been one since. The destruction when Titus, under his father's orders, Vespasian, destroyed the temple and sanctuary, there has been no temple since. But Jesus himself indicated there would be, during this time, he called Great Tribulation, there would be a temple. Because the Antichrist himself, he said, when you see the abomination of desolation sitting in the temple, where he should not be, and declaring himself to be God. And he tells the people to flee because it's about to be great persecution and trouble since never was to that time or it would be again. So we know there's going to be a third temple built. Now, most of us who study Bible prophecy believe that that right to build that temple back on Moriah, or the Temple Mount, will come about as a part of the covenant that Antichrist will make with the people of Israel and with the many around it, meaning probably most of its Muslim enemies around it. We believe that almost certainly they'll be given the right to rebuild their temples and reinstitute Jewish worship at that time. 
This will be the tribulation temple, the one that Antichrist will come in and desecrate, probably like Antiochus Epiphanes did in about 130-something B.C., and will somehow desecrate it, sit in there and declare himself to be God to man worship. We see all that developing now. I heard Les Felic, I think, the other day say that he believed that the temple was at that time some kind of a pre-construction form sitting in the warehouse somewhere just ready to be put together. And they can do that now in a very quick time. That's why the temple's so important. There's going to be a fourth temple from which Christ will reign and rule, you know. He'll build it himself. I understand the same thing. I understand they've got everything kind of prefabricated, ready to go. The Temple Institute, they've got all the instruments and implements ready to go then. But they also say that a prefab structure could be put up somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but that's what Les said he believed. I kind of believe it too. Well, Cauldron Chapter 14 is titled Powerful Pressures for Peace, and we see that in the world today. We see the whole world pressuring Israel to give up land for peace. And that chapter addresses just where we might stand on God's prophetic timeline. Will you tell us what that chapter and surrounding chapters regarding the nearness of the end of the age? Well, I think that shows us really where we are because Israel, you know, is surrounded by enemy neighbors. They did have a really strong ally in the United States until I believe the present administration has throwing them under the bus, as we use that term today, but they still have a strong military to defend them. That's what keeps Muslim enemies from attacking them, I think. But there'll come a time when they won't have that to be in unwalled villages, meaning the defenses will be down in, in modern vernacular, and then they'll be attacked. And uh, Certainly, uh, we see that they are surrounded by enemies who hate them. For all these years, we have listened to shuffle diplomacy where Henry Kissinger and all the rest of them have tried to make peace. Because this is the one that Jerusalem and the very Temple Mount area actually is the very one place on earth that most threatens to initiate nuclear conflict. Israel has what we call the Samson option. We believe they wouldn't do anything, include using nukes to defend themselves. We've watched all this happen, and there's new peace initiatives. I think Trump himself initiates some new initiatives that uh, some people think will maybe eventuate in being the covenant. That the Antichrist will sign is given in Daniel 9, 26, 27, but God says that will be the covenant made with death and hell, Isaiah 28, verses 15 and 18, I think. The covenant made with death and hell. God will not approve it, but this is what will initiate uh, Israel's accepting Antichrist and his offering an effect of salvation as opposed to Jesus Christ. This is what will send them fleeing into the mountains and Antichrist creating the worst holocaust that's ever been upon the world and particularly upon the Jewish race. You mentioned Masada, and I know that when the Israeli military officers do their commissioning, take their oath, they go up on top of Masada and they raise their hands and they swear an oath that Masada will never fall again. So I think you're right there. Well, Cauldron is a fantastic book. The book is Cauldron, Supernatural Implications of the Current Middle East and why what happens next will be important to you. 342-page book. It's a phenomenal book, and you'll be blessed by it. Terry James is the author, and he's been my guest on the program today. Terry, thanks so much. I really, really appreciate you taking time to be on with us. Today, the Resource Center is offering Terry James's book, Cauldron, Supernatural Implications of the Middle East. Cauldron reveals a deep understanding of the end times prophecies of the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, and what is about to happen next. 
Get Cauldron by Terry James for a gift of $15 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144 or online, swrc.com. And now, with an important update, here is Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill. God has been blessing in so many ways, and yet there are some difficulties that I need to report so you can be praying with us about them. In fact, why don't we begin with prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for all the many blessings that you give us personally and as a ministry of Southwest, all the things that you do, and you use this ministry in so many ways, we thank you for that. We give you praise. And now, Father, help me to share with our listeners the needs that we have. And, Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts and the pocketbooks and bank accounts of those who listen, that you would open those up to your use and that you would give to each of these who's listening today, you'd give them exactly what you would want them to do and that they would be obedient. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, God is so good to us. We have been blessed, blessed, and blessed again. Uh, And yet, these are difficult times. You know what's been going on in the world around us and how, oh, how terrible, disgusting some things are that are happening and, and other things are distressing and depressing. In the midst of all of this, we have had blessing and we have expanded and we have been doing new things. And God has been allowing us to do those things in the midst of the struggle. And we're so thankful. So very, very thankful. But in the midst of the blessing, there's been the difficult times. And some of you have sensed that and have called us, written us. Others need to know. And so I've been asked to share that with you today. And I'm going to do that very thing. We've had to cancel the Columbus Conference. It had to be canceled because of COVID and because of various things going on. It has been a difficult time. We thought for sure we were going to be able to have the face-to-face conference for three days, but that's not the case now. So we're going to do it a different way. We're not going to do it face-to-face, but we are going to have a virtual conference. It's virtual. That means wherever you are, you can receive it on the Internet. It's not coming out of Columbus, but it is in the place of the Columbus Conference. We decided that we had to do something because we wanted the conferences to begin anew. They have begun anew. And we've had a one-day conference that actually had people there. That was good. And we had the virtual conference, first one we ever had, and we had a lot of good folks that signed up and enjoyed what they learned. And we're thankful that they were able to learn some new things from the teachings that were given. 
It was a good conference, by the way, and it was well attended. We had a lot of people that said, I enjoyed that. I personally enjoyed the virtual conference in the summer because I could look at the messages more than once. I enjoy seeing a message for the second or third or fourth time. That was very helpful to me personally. So we've had a cancellation of the Columbus conference. We're trying to do a virtual conference in its place. And so you can find that on our website, swrc.com. But we've also had to take a look at the reduction in the number of stations. Now, we in faith marched forward to include new stations in our lineup. We did that because we had need of reaching more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And the only way we could do that was to put the programming on as many stations as possible. Well, we're going to take a look at reducing the number of stations. Summer giving has just been down to the bottom. We've had summer giving of 50% or less. That's tough. You can't bounce back from that sort of thing. And I remember when Noah used to talk to me and Bob used to talk to me about these very things and how it happened every summer. And I would say, yes, I understand. And I did. I did understand because the ministry that I worked with, WHCB Radio, a one-station ministry at that point, was having problems in the summertime. And when the giving went down in the summer, you knew it. You had problems making payroll. You had problems paying bills. Well, summer giving has been down more than we've experienced in the ministry of one radio station. We find that with Southwest's programming. The programming's been increased. The preaching has been strengthened. The word has gone out to more places than before. And yet the giving has been abysmal. When you look at giving that has dropped as much as the giving has dropped at Southwest, you start going, wow, how does that happen? Well, it happens because of the problems that we encounter in these United States. We've had a decrease in giving because people sense a fear in the land. People are afraid of the virus and the various different kinds of the virus that are coming at them. Some people are fearful just simply because their makeup is one of fear. That's sad because Christ did not come to bring you a spirit of fear, but to bring you that very robust, sound mind that would make you a better person, a better believer, a person that can give and can participate in the midst of all of these difficulties. And so we've seen this happen, and so the giving has been down tremendously in this summer. So pray with us about our virtual conference 
ask the Lord to guide you. And if you can sign up for it, please do so. I think you'll have a good time. I think you'll learn a lot. I think it'll be good for you. And then, as it pertains to our reducing broadcast stations, be in prayer with us. Pray with us that God would give us direction. Not that we would just jump out and do it, but that God would give us direction as to the stations that have to be cut and how much they need to be cut. And do we cut stations completely or do we ask them for a reduction in cost? How do we go about this? We need God's direction. We don't need to be doing it on our own. We need God's direction in these things. Well, just as all this negative stuff is happening, new blessings are coming too. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about them. My goodness, we've got these new books, the new resources that are coming through the press that we have. We've got tours coming up. We haven't had tours in several years. And by the way, when we have a tour, the tour pays for its own way. We don't take money from the ministry to pay for the tour. The tour is paid for by money from those who go on the tour. But we've got tours coming up. We've got the conferences that we've got scheduled, and we're going to be doing this virtual conference And so we'll be doing that. So there are all sorts of new outreach opportunities. I don't want you to think they're not. We've got them, but we have to be very careful in what we're doing. I need you to be praying. I need you to be giving. I need you to be promoting Southwest Radio Church Ministries. We want you to join us in saying no to the cancel culture. The cancel culture is all around us. And it's destroying what used to be the great United States of America. We need you to say no to the cancel culture. We need you to say yes to bringing clarity to the chaos. And I think you can bring clarity to the chaos by your special giving to Southwest Radio Church Ministries. I think that's important. We need your special gift now. We need your special financial gift now. We could use $200,000 and not waste a penny of it just getting caught up. Would you participate with us in some part of that? I do not doubt that there is someone listening a great number of people who are listening who could give us the $200,000 without question. But I also know that there are people like me. I don't have $200,000, but I think I could find something to give, and I will find something to give because God's already touched my heart toward giving. Give a special gift to Southwest Radio Church Ministries. Give a special gift to bring us through this summer. And thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your promotion. Thank you for all that you do for us, that we might reach our culture together and give them the good news 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Watchman on the Wall relies on you, your prayers, and your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please prayerfully consider giving a gift today? Call 1-800-652-1144 or give your gift online at swrc.com. Thank you. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.